Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. All right, we're doing this. We're doing this. The train has left the station. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest today. She is absolutely amazing. Can we say just an absolute badass, a serial entrepreneur, and she plays at the intersection of technology and media. She's been doing this across 30 years. Think interactive content. Think just absolute revolution taking audio, video, those kind of experiences and just smashing them together for creators, for consumers. And she has literally interviewed thousands of people. She's been interviewed by thousands of people. She is a podcast wizard. She is a thought leader in our space. I can't wait to interview. And she comes from a television background, having been an anchor, having been on BBC, ABC, name, you know, name your three-letter acronym. She's won many awards. Her podcast is Wings of Inspired Business, founder and CEO of Potopolo, Melinda Whitstock. Welcome. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. What an amazing introduction. I feel humbled. Thank you. I can't believe I'm talking to you. How did we trick you onto this show? How do how did we get you? You're amazing. <laughs> oh man, I live and breathe podcasting. I I love interviewing, but I love being interviewed as well. It's just great to have a wonderful conversation in such a fantastic media that has so much authenticity, uh, so much intimacy, really, yeah. and helps people learn. You know, so it's a real pay forward. So I, I love doing these. Oh, good. Well, I, I am blessed, and our audience will be too. To, to hear these things from you. So I just want to, I'm going to shut up on my end, right? And I'd love to ask you this question, how we start every show off. Pull back the curtain for us on your show, on your shows, on your experience, and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. Oh, fantastic. I mean, really, I started Wings of Inspired Business because I, I created the show in effect that I wish I had had coming up as a serial entrepreneur and a female founder in technology, not many of us, right? And women, you know, struggle with different things sometimes than male entrepreneurs, not least of which sure. access to capital. Uh, women founders get about 2% of the available venture capital money, which hasn't changed in two decades. And so through my own experience and through interviewing other women, I really wanted to pay it forward and I wanted to create an ecosystem whereby women were really showing up for each other, buying each other's products, investing in, in each other's companies, mentoring each other, promoting each other and such. And I just started. Uh, and I, the you know, there's so many benefits. Uh, first of all, I feel like I have my own personal mastermind, almost 800 episodes in now in the last five years, interviewing these amazing women. And when I started out, I thought, God, am I going to find enough women who have built seven figure, eight figure, nine figure, and even billion dollar unicorn uh, businesses? Right. And I'm never short of guests. And it's sort of like we're innovating kind of in secret. So it's it's lovely to, to, as you say, kind of lift the veil on that and really affirm and acclaim the entrepreneurial journeys of women. Yeah. So the interviewing part of the question is really, I, I think the best interviews are just basically conversations, you know, where they're quite spontaneous. 
and that the interviewer um, is genuinely interested in what the guest has to say. So I feel like I'm learning along with um, our listeners right. um, uh, because I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the answers and I'm genuinely curious. Mm. Um, and so that I think is the, you know, for anyone doing an interview show, so important to really be obsessed with your topic, obsessed with helping your um, your fans, your listeners or viewers, understanding what their problems are and really seeking to help solve those. So keeping your audience in mind all the time, but also your guest and being genuinely curious and just asking great questions that elicit, uh, you know, answers that can be, uh, you know, of practical help uh, to your listeners and viewers. Uh, so many good nuggets there. So many things to uh, to take apart. I, I want to start with that most recent thing you just said about asking great questions. You have asked many, many, many people many, many great questions, on whether it's on TV or on your podcast. Um, what goes into a great question? Oh, you know, it's like a so word we say a lot, but it's like, what really? How do you capture that? Well, there are a couple of things. I think if you're really listening, you're going to be asking really good follow-up questions. Okay. And sometimes the best question is, oh, tell me more about that. Or how did that make you feel? Or why? <laughs> I, I think people get really, I don't know, almost self-conscious in trying to be performative in their questions. Yes. And actually that's not... That's not really an interviewer's job. The interviewer's job is to really elicit and bring out their guest. I see sometimes people, and this happens on television too, where the where the anchor or the interviewer is almost competing with the guest. <laughs> That's not the point. I've seen that, yeah. <laughs> you know, where the the questions are longer than the answers, and it's just it is performative. Um, I the the simplest questions are often the best listening to the answers and allowing a way to unfold or get into that answer or develop different parts of the answer. So the best interviewers really are great listeners. I would also say the open-ended question is really good. If you ask a how a why or a what, you're going to get a more fulsome answer than if you did you or whatever. So sometimes podcasts can sound pretty stilted if someone says, so did you do this? And the person says, yes. <laughs> and then there's kind of dead air and the interviewer scrambling to figure out what to say next. So the open-ended question is really, really important. I think also just making the guest feel very, very comfortable that you're just having a conversation. Um, that it's not really a strict interview format. I think sometimes podcasters get very obsessed with their formats. Like I'm going to ask this question at exactly nine minutes in um, rather than just to let it unfold, uh, you know, in a way that is natural. Oh, man. I uh, want to address the performative questions first. Uh, it really makes me think even while live doing a podcast, interviewing someone, trying to think about when have I been performative and when have I just tried to seek out more answers, you know, or maybe just wanted to share a little bit more of my own experience. But it really is kind of a, a thing you got to check yourself on. It, mm. Any tips? How do you know, like litmus paper, was I being performative or was I just 
trying to dig deeper? You know, like how do you ask that of yourself? Uh, well, that is a great question. I mean, this comes down to this. We can get very philosophical here or get into Let's do neuroscience. It. <laughs> Let's roll this around that. I mean, really, it comes down to self-awareness. Yeah. And that's something that we develop over many years. Uh, you know, like anything, it, it takes, what is it? What's the stat that like 10,000 hours to really master something? So I think you really learn by doing. And, and I think, you know, we, we, we all need compassion for ourselves too. You know, we're human beings, so we're always going to get better. I think sometimes going back and listening to the interviews you've done, because when you hear them yourself, you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd done that differently. So just being open to continually learning, um, being in the present moment. So uh, this is hard for a lot of people because I think sometimes interviewers will get over-prepared. So you've got your script. Well, the listener and the viewer, your fans don't know what your script is, so they don't know if you deviate from it. That's just all kind of in your own head or in your planning, right? So so I think folks can get really tripped up there because it's like, oh, like, like they're following uh, a, a piece of paper, which means that their mind is kind of in the future or in the past, it's not in the present moment and they're not really listening because they're so worried about what they're gonna say next that they're not thinking about what the guest is actually saying. Right. And so for that reason, I don't plan my questions. I plan themes, like I will know, and I, I do this in a very spontaneous way. My whole system for wings is completely automated. So I never really know who I'm going to be talking to until about five or 10 minutes before the interview. It just wow. automatically comes on my calendar. Like everything's automated in my process. And I will just look and see, okay, so she's in the tech industry, this, that, whatever. Uh, these are the themes. And I always ask the guests to tell me in advance what they really want to talk about and what the themes are. And because I know my topic so well, I mean, I am a female founder, right. <laughs> five significant businesses and a whole lot more side hustles and whatnot behind me. So, and I've worked across a lot of industries. I've interviewed a lot of people. So I do have the benefit of cumulative knowledge, but it's learning to trust yourself that you're just going to ask a question, not be afraid of asking a quote unquote stupid question like, oh, gosh, I don't know anything about that. Tell me more. That's a great question, right? Um, and, and it's okay. It doesn't make you look less than. It actually makes you look stronger and smarter, in fact. So I don't plan my questions. I literally am in the present moment. And, and it makes me more human. Yeah. Because I'll mess up or the dog will bark or something will happen. Yeah. You know, or I'll stumble over my words. Something will happen, right? But it's okay. It's I'm I'm human, and so therefore I'm going to connect better with my listeners. Do you plan that first question, or any? No questions are planned. No questions are planned. Okay. Um, when do you know the first question? A few minutes before. Um, in I usually kind of talk to the guest, kind of take them through what we're going to do, remind them that it's a very conversational interview. Yeah what we're trying to do, who our audience is and that kind of stuff. And sometimes I'll ask them like, look, you know, do you want to start at the beginning of how you became an entrepreneur or do you want to start, you know, I'll, sometimes I'll just ask them 
uh, for where they really want to start. And I will explain to them that the mission of Podopolo is to not only take in their whole biography, right, but what they learned along the way. We're also going to destigmatize uh, entrepreneurial failure because it's really a, a lesson. We're going to take from your own lived experience what advice you would give mm. to other female founders. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the things that hold people back in terms of mindset and such. We're going to try and cover all of that. Um, and it's, it's really the, the themes are always the same kind of in every, every interview. And depending on their experience, which can vary wildly, we just want to kind of cover all of that. And, and in the process of talking to them, I sort of get a vibe of like, and I, I'll just trust myself to have the inspiration. Sometimes I start the interview and say, hey, you know, welcome to Wings. And I don't actually know <laughs> wow. what I'm going to ask. It just literally comes to me. Now, um, that I wouldn't say that when I first started interviewing people and I started interviewing people really on my student newspaper as an 18 year old. OK, so I've been interviewing people for a very, very long time. So obviously it's something that you get better at. But there was a certain point as a television news anchor where you didn't have time to plan your questions because something happened like Princess Diana died or the mm. the Oklahoma City bombing happened or some Yitzhak Rabin got assassinated or whatever it was, all those stories that I was doing back in the day for the BBC and elsewhere. You didn't really have time to prepare your questions and you didn't really know much about what was actually going on. So you had to be a bit of an investigator with a with an open mind and almost like a blank slate so I think that really, obviously, having the benefit of that experience, especially in a live TV format where there's more that you don't know than you do know, uh, was very formative for me. But when I had the chance to do a really wonderful show for the BBC called Hard Talk, which still exists, it's a kind of one-on-one, -on -one, half an hour live you know, and I, I interviewed everyone from Twiggy to, say, John Barry, who did the Bond mu music, to... Wow. Um, uh, Richard Holbrook, who at the time was negotiating Bosnian peace, all these sorts of people, all kinds of people, all the first female astronaut in space, you know, kind of all kinds of people. And um, I remember I used to prepare because there was a lot of research that went into it to really understand someone's biography so that the interview could go much, much further in that context and really get into the motivation of why they were making the decisions they were making right. through their life. And that was the kind of MO, I guess, of that show. And it was tricky because I had my earpiece, I had producers in my ear saying things like, ask this question. And I'd have to sometimes override that because I was listening to the guest. It would drive the producers crazy. God. It was a, how how, how a, do you interview someone with someone in your ear? Like, go away. <laughs> That's live television. I'm trying to focus I, I here. That. That's live television. The BBC, sometimes people would be having like an argument, like <laughs> going on in the background as you're trying to listen to your you know, guest or there's breaking news or whatever. So I don't know, after a while you get used to it. It's kind of like driving, you know, when you're driving a car, you got a lot of different things going on. It's kind yeah. of the same, you know, really. Uh, you do get used to it. It's hard to begin with, but like yeah. anything, once you get used to it, you get used to it. But one of the, I became a much better interviewer on Hard Talk the minute I was able to, you know, I'd do my background research, yep. but then I'd throw away my script. I'd throw away my questions mm. and I became much, much better the moment I did that. Okay. So you, this is interesting. You, you, you used to do the prep and then mm -hmm. you, would you still do the prep and then throw the questions away? Or you, at some point you stopped I do, doing the prep I altogether? Do them, you, well, 
Okay, so television, I, I'd have an army of producers giving me all kinds of suggestions and, and whatnot. Okay. Where, you know, make sure you do this. And I'd, I'd read up about the person because it was live. It was very ambitious. It had, a, it had an audience of about 50 million people. <laughs> Just a few. All around the world. Um, They're all listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, so there was, you know, it was pretty high stakes. Yeah. And interviewing, you know, high stakes people. Uh, you know, so for instance, a great example was interviewing Twiggy, who had never talked about the fact that she had suffered from alcoholism, like she'd mm. never talked about it before. And this was not in my prepared thing. Nobody knew about it because it wasn't in the research. You know, so I think yeah. I, I don't remember the exact question, but it's like, what, what's the thing that's challenged you most in your life? And she just said, and so that, that the, so the interview went in a completely different direction. Interesting. I feel like I, I definitely want to check that out. And we'll, I think if we try to link to it on the show notes, because it, it sounded like that was unexpected. So if you were stuck, like you'd said to, well, not, well, thanks for sharing that really deep personal moment you've never shared before, but now it's nine thirty minutes in and I, and I need to shift over to, you know, who's your favorite real housewife, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, because, because you have this, if you have a preconceived notion yeah. of what you have to do. And maybe that's not the best angle, you know, in, in a, and that's where my news brain kicks in. It's, it's just not the most interesting. Yeah. And it was your hypothesis, but you've got to be willing to throw out your hypothesis. Amazing. Uh, so you stopped, did you stop doing it for that show or just in general, you stopped doing that, that level? Yeah, I think um, I just got used to doing that. I, I, I'm a very intuitive uh, interviewer and, but, but, it, I didn't start that way. Like, it's like with anything, you know, you've got to go mm, through the process. A progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's a little bit different in terms of how they get to, you know, where where they get. And I mean, I think it becomes much easier with podcasting when you yourself are the creator of the show. Uh, you're not just a hired host of something that already exists. I mean, presumably you launched your podcast because you had a lived experience or you had something really important, a big mission that you wanted to share with the world, yeah. or it's some sort of give forward uh, to help people learn, or maybe it's lead gen into your own business. I mean, there's lots of reasons to podcast, but you, you, you have a point of view. I mean, you have a reason that you're doing it. And so you've got a head start right there because yeah. you already know what you want to cover. So it's, it's a matter of really just trusting yourself. I love this theme of trusting yourself because one of the questions I'd love to get into, we talked a little bit about this already, but the idea of not being so obsessed with what is that next question and that <laughs> takes you off of active listening. It, it it can be a real struggle if you're not trusting yourself. I mean, I, I've done this where I'm like, oh my gosh, what happens when she finishes that a brilliant phrase? And what happens if I don't have the next brilliant question just like at the ready to go? Am I going to look like an idiot? Um, what do I say? There'll be a silence. Um, can you talk to me about that whole, the fear of that, like silence, not sure what to ask. And then also any, any sort of techniques you have in your own mind of then having that next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can always have a couple things like that in your back pocket and they're mm -hmm. kind of uh, transitional questions. Okay. Right. You know, so you can, I remember interviewing Richard Holbrook and he'd come back from the Bosnian, uh, you know, peace negotiations where there'd been a lot of news articles about him, you know, 
holding uh, Slobodan Milosevic, who was the Yugoslavian kind of strong man, you know, and holding him up by the lapels and pushing him up against the wall. And I'm like, so, so, you know, there you were in the Bosnian piece, and you know, the Frankfurter Algeminer and all these paper Le Monde, New York Times, they're all reporting that you did this. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Oh, no, but I mean, it's it's quoted here and I was doing the follow up. It's like there's, you know, th th there were eyewitnesses that said that you did that. So then I got this kind of, well, even if I did, you know, you know, and it, it <laughs> gradually it was sort of admitting it. And then it kind of got to the end of that. And uh, there wasn't really much more to do to go into the Bosnian peace negotiations. So at that point, it's kind of a transitional question. And I remember it quite well. I said, so did you always know that you were going to be a diplomat? What did you, wow. you know, did, did you always know that that's where you were going? And, and then it led to a funny part of the interview where he's like, well, actually, I always wanted to be a journalist. And then there was a long pause. And he said, until today, Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? What am I, chopped well, liver? I'd been, I'd been, I'd been um, asking really hard questions. I mean, the show was called Hard Talk after all. You know, so I was that more of a BBC kind of, you know, yeah, you're grilling. Almost, yeah, right. Because yeah. it was kind of a news thing where you're trying to get news. That, that's a different sort of format. Um, but always having something like that to transition a guest from there. Okay, we're talking about the nouns. So you can say, okay, so like, in, and I do this often on wings. So, so did you always know, like, what were you, what, what did you, uh, what were you doing at age six? that's suggestive of what your actual zone of genius is in business. Did you, did you right. know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Did you write like those kinds of things, right? Transitional ones. Love that. Do you have those transitions built into your show? Different sections? No, they're not, in, they're not in the format, but I just pull them out when it seems like uh, we've exhausted a certain topic and off, often I'll use them too. If I sense that the guest is on a prepared script Aha. Uh -huh. They've been on a podcast. Like, chances are people that you're interviewing go on lots of podcasts and they say the same things over and over and over again. And chances are your listeners listen to other podcasts as well. So they've heard that guest go on and on and on, right? Yeah. So I do try and think of ways to get them off that script or ask them something unexpected that makes them have to think or differently. And, and maybe that skill comes from interviewing a lot of politicians where, you know, really your job as a journalist, I believe in that context is to get them off their prepared scripts and get them being a genuine human being again. Mm. And so those are that. Questions that, well, those are questions when you ask someone, how did that make you feel? When's the last time you've ever heard a journalist ask that of somebody like nobody <laughs> does. But it right. elicits because they have to think. It's like, oh, my God, how did I feel? And it, it starts to get a more human connection, and which is what you really want. You yeah. want a really good human conversation. So your listeners and viewers feel like they're a fly on the wall and something that's quite intimate. I, I think that's the best. 100%. I, not on this show, but on my marketing show, I, I once interviewed someone actually in the podcasting community who was such a prepared well-spoken speaker after about an hour and a half I'm pre interviewing, I'm pretty sure I didn't actually meet them. You know, I, it, it, was, <laughs> it felt very clear that like, even when I got to like, you know, it, almost like that, did you know you're going to be this podcasting influencer and that 
when you when you were little, take me back in time. Even that had this beautifully scripted answer, and, and I was just like, I was so frustrated because I wanted to make a connection, and and I didn't. But the feel is in, any other tips, any other things you like to, to break people out of that because that so yeah. frustrating. Sometimes, uh, so one one kind of it's slightly gray hat is is sort of an elicitation technique where you will literally say something that you know is incorrect. So, so this was what was happening for you. And people have a natural tendency to want to correct you. So this is known, this elicitation is used by hostage negotiators, right? It's right. used by FBI agents, right? Uh, where literally like you will, at the risk of looking like an idiot yourself, just say something you know to not be true. And then that person wants to correct you. You know, there, there are a whole bunch of things like that uh, to do. Um, but the other thing is just to be, I mean, another tactic is just to be candid. It's like, hey, you know, we've heard you tell this story on a hundred different podcasts. Like, in, you know, tell me something about yourself that nobody knows. Hmm. You know, what did you like to do as a kid? Like any, just, just off the wall questions. Yeah. Because uh, what you're really looking for is a pattern interrupt to get them off their script. And I mean, part of the problem is someone who's really polished like that, they've probably gone through media training. You know, they've like worked with PR agent, they're on message because they're really focused on saying what they have to say to grow their business. Right. And whatnot. And you can't blame them. I mean, right. I understand that. I'm, I'm sort of the same way. Like, you know, Podopolo has certain kind of talking points that you want to say over and over again, because you're trying to get the message out so people can tell other people what you do. Uh, and it's memorable. So it requires repetition. Yeah. You know, so if I have my CEO of Podopolo hat on, I'm going to say we're the place where, you know, podcasters can easily grow their reach, engage their fans and make money from podcasting for the first time. Right. And I'll just say that over and over and over again, because I'm trying to get that right. And so You've got to allow your guests a little bit of that because that's why they're on your show. Right. <laughs> Chances are. Um, uh, um, and at the same time, though, you know, even in the preamble before you start recording, you can say things like, hey, so, you know, really want to uh, allow you to really connect uh, on a human level, uh, you know, with our listeners and viewers. And, and you know, so we're going to want to get into off, get off your regular script. It'll actually be good for you, you know? So, so, you know, th there's things like that, uh, that you can do. I mean, the funny thing about wings is I've found that, uh, when I first started, I thought the big name guests, I was going to have the most downloads with, and then it, 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 the data showed otherwise that it mm -hmm. was really kind of a lot of the unknown people. And, and I think that's because the well-known people, everybody already knows their shtick, you know? Sure. <laughs> And unless you can really get them to say something completely different or get a different side of them. Uh, some of my best interviews are with people that are just, you know, they're, they're not well known, but they've, yeah. they've like built some amazing business kind of like in secret. No one's ever heard of them, but they have this amazing eight figure business. And they're you know? so, and they're so thankful for the opportunity. I've had the same thing where it's not that famous author who, could kind of give a shit about your your recording either, right? He's doing 150 exactly. podcasts, and so he doesn't really care. But that one VP of sales in Texas, 
he told everyone about that episode. In fact, he told everyone, don't buy from me until you listen to my episode, right? And it was it was special to him. And so, yeah, you can't compete with someone who just loved the experience or, or those, those, those other things that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so powerful. Yeah. And you mentioned your amazing app, which uh, you said uh, – okay, I said – Podopolo, but that was wrong. It. it was like Podopolo. What, what's the name? Podopolo. 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 So Podopolo. you can say it any way you like. We don't mind, but it's yeah. Podopolo. And uh, it was funny actually trying to figure out the name, uh, you know, because all the different pod somethings or something <laughs> casts were all taken. And because Podopolo is increasingly socially interactive and increasingly leveraging the sort of techniques of gamification, so right. it, it emerges the only app where you win just by listening, um, we wanted to have that sense of fun and also that sense of community. So I was thinking of the Greek word polis and, um, you know, Polo, you know, Podopoly. And, and then, so we were thinking about Podopoly and then we thought, wait a minute, we're not a monopoly. We're not monopoly. trying to be that. Right. We're much more of an ecosystem where, uh, you know, we don't have to, we're not in scarcity, we're in abundance. So right. it just kind of arrived at Podopolo. <laughs> and uh, so it was different, you know? No, no, I love it. And, and even, you know, fun marketing technique, the more we talk about not being able to say this, the more we say the name and the more it just embeds itself in everyone's brain to the point where they can't get it out of there. Um, <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. And if anyone was noticing, that was a transition question because we it was very elegantly done to Bravo. talking about the app, right? It's so meta. We get to, we get to do it and, and talk about it. So, so I've downloaded it. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard some, so talk to me about where it came from. Yeah, 100%. So yeah. all all my bit so uh, as you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. All my businesses have been at this intersection of media and technology and the content as conversation and increasing increasingly using algorithmic uh techniques whether it's unstructured data search or the beginnings of, you know, unsupervised machine learning and AI and whatnot uh to really deliver personalized experiences for people, but also connected experiences for people. So uh, just across all the different, you know, companies that I've built. Then I became a podcaster five years ago. Now, as with all of my expertise, okay, obviously in content, in technology, in business, in marketing, it was still almost impossible to uh, be discovered, like to grow the Wings audience up against, at that point, the only game in town was Apple Podcasts. And I remember there was a certain day that I realized that the new and noteworthy team on Apple, which was the thing that you had to be on, only had one employee. And a lot of the new and noteworthies were podcasts that were no longer active. And I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, so this algorithm is totally stacked. There's no way right. that you can, like, it's just, it's stacked against you. So you've got to figure out some other way of being discovered. And, you know, fast forward, I had, at one point I had six different side hustles, right, nice. to figure out how to grow my audience or engage people or figure out who they were or to make money from podcasting. Okay. And then it was also discovered that it was very, very difficult to uh, monetize with advertising, right? Unless you had a massive audience, like 10,000 downloads or more per episode. Right. So here's the thing. 98% of podcasters will never have 10,000 downloads per episode. Like really only 
you know, one and a half percent of podcasters actually currently qualify for advertising. And that's because it's a structural problem. It's a disconnect. And podcasting is a digital media. Therefore, there's a lot of data associated with it. But the big platforms like Apple and Spotify don't really share that with you and the specificity you need to convince advertisers that the people who are listening to the podcast are qualified for their offers. There's this disconnect. They hold all that data themselves. Social platforms, same thing. They keep all that data for themselves and the podcasters have been locked out of that. So that's one of the things that Podopolo and the creator economy part of Podopolo really is seeking to solve. And we do that through our artificial intelligence, our AI, which not only powers a recommendation engine that connects listeners to the right podcast for them around their interests and their shared interests with friends, and also their behavior, much like a TikTok would, for instance. Right. That same set of AI also puts podcasters in front of pre-qualified audiences. Okay. Now, go a step further with that data. We can also start to monetize podcasts with much smaller audiences because we know from their topical interest, from behavior, from demographics, from all of this, who's actually listening. So an advertiser can get a decent return on investment, even from a podcaster that has a thousand listeners per episode. So Panopoli in that sense is highly disruptive, but there's a whole bunch of other things going on. Not only are we really solving the podcast discovery piece from a consumer standpoint, uh, but really helping podcasters, uh, you know, connect with audiences that are already pre-qualified for them, be able to easily engage their audiences without having to become SEO experts or right. like growth marketers or data-driven kind of like growth hackers or whatever, you know, and all the things. I just like do that for them so they can focus on their show um, and also allow them to really make money. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, and, and this is all from the kind of creator uh, standpoint, uh, but the app is also making podcasting, you know, socially interactive. So on the app right now, you know, you can friend people, you can mm-hmm. comment on episodes, you, there's a DM uh, structure there. You can also create clips of your favorite moments of podcasts and share that with friends. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we have things like episode playlists coming that are, you know, will be shareable. Uh, but we're going much, much further with that into threaded conversations and such. Uh, and that will be debuting kind of later in the year. So it's a very big, ambitious uh, mission. Um, uh, it's really about a win-win where consumers, creators, and advertisers can all win um, at the same time. So very much an abundance model in that sense. Super cool. I'm looking at it right now. I'm actually looking at the show we're on right now in the app. This is super fun. And I think I did. I gobble. I think I gobbled up Casey as a username, which is exciting <laughs> to me because you never get that right. Your first name. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah, if you want to get your, uh, yeah, cause at a certain point, Podopolo is going to really have its own because it's social, right. It's yeah. going to start to have its own influencers and creators. And, cool. you know, we're looking at monetize monetization opportunities for those super fans as yeah. well as the creators. Yeah, totally. I got to get my referral code and put it on the, the link so everybody can like show some love, you know? Um, exactly. We, you know, if, if we talk a year from now, like a year worth of podcasting from now, what do you, what do you hope Podopolo looks like and feels like to, you know, the, the next person downloading it? 
Yeah. So a lot of things, I think there'll be a lot of real results where podcasters are like, Oh my God, before Podopolo, I was, I was about to pod fade. I, I had no way. I had no way of really monetizing my show. Now I have a really decent living from it. Right. Um, you know, I, that like a year from now, really, really showing that, that the, um, uh, the, the, the pace of our innovation is, is kind of breathtaking how fast we're going on all this. I, I would like to see lots of testimonials from listeners and viewers saying, gosh, I, I went on Podoplo and I discovered a whole bunch of podcasts that I didn't even know existed. And now I do, and I've learned so much, and I'm learning so much that I'm, I've, I've made friends around that content, you know, content. Yep. I've actually hired people. I've been hired as a result. I found my mentor. I, you know, all of this. I'm putting what I'm learning in a podcast into action in my life. I'm having this really great um, experience that just wasn't possible before. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there are other, you know, business metrics, obviously we want to grow the company, uh, you know, really quickly we're, uh, closing our super seed round, uh, this oh, wow. week, um, uh, which is exciting, which will allow us for the first time to actually invest in marketing, hey. um, <laughs> the app, um, I, I think the other metrics that I look at, though, as a CEO is that the team, that we have a great team, that everybody loves what they're doing, everybody's succeeding, and moreover, that because we're such a values-driven company, that we've really operationalized our values, that they're not just kind of, you know, things stuck on a website, like that we uh, uh, believe in abundance, right. or we believe in innovation or collaboration, but like these things are actually operationalized in terms of who we're being, how we make decisions, how we interact with our customers yeah. and whatnot. And, and I believe that like, if you have a really great team culture that extends out to your customer success, to your sales, to like your marketing, like every single thing you do. So I, I, you know, uh, for my CEO hat, I, I, I want to see that that's really clear that we are a hundred percent, you know, uh, living our values. And I think it's one of the reasons why we're having so much success, really attracting very top talent to the company yeah. right now. Um, you know, for that reason, it's the, it's the mission and such. I also think that I'm not sure if it's a year from now, but you'll see the glimmer of it. One of the really big goals behind Podopolo is to remake social media actually. Mm. And, and this is the big, big, big thing. And um, we, there's I mean, you're going to buy Twitter. You're going to buy Twitter from Elon. <laughs> no, I don't think we need to buy it. I think it's kind of messed up. I think we can do better. And and here's why: you can write algorithms uh, that um, hardwire people's brains to give them a dopamine hit for being in judgment and being in outrage. Yeah. Or not. You can write them to reward a positive contribution to society, one that actually enhances and empowers people, right. enhances their lives, right? Yeah. That brings people together rather than dividing them. And the tricky thing with the algorithms, especially with the effort towards personalization, is that that's what creates what's known as the filter bubble. Mm. where you go deeper and deeper and deeper into your own preconceived notions and to the point where it, it becomes like it has in our society, whether it's Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 99, you know, everybody has their own thing and no one's talking to each other anymore. Um, this has been part of my life's work to actually fix that. I, I really understood the, the really uh, debilitating aspects 
of that filter bubble. So the challenge is how do you deliver the kind of personalized experience that allows people to have a really enjoyable, effortless, time-saving kind of experience, while at the same time not putting blinders on them so that they can't really interact with other folks. And that's why the way we do our recommendation engine is very, very different. Mm. The way we approach AI from a really ethical standpoint is very different. And we also believe that uh, podcasting, by virtue of its more in-depth and intimate nature, is a great jumping off point into starting the conversations around shared interest communities, shared interest topics, and that those conversations stay relevant, but are, are, there are sort of surprises where you're able to kind of learn something, um, from something that you didn't even know that you were interested in, but you're sort of interested in already. And we've seen in the back end data of the app already the beginnings of this, that this is happening. So the average person joins Podopolo. They pick about two or three podcasts to follow or subscribe to within about 10 days. They are listening outside of their predetermined mm, interest. Yeah. People come in and say, yeah, I'm interested in marketing. You know, I'm interested in entrepreneurship and I'm interested in, I don't know, true crime. <laughs> uh, but I put sci-fi, but yeah, the, the other two, exactly. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, so by day 10, they're because, you know, why is because they see that their friend is listening to something that they've yeah. never heard of. Oh, so I wonder what Casey's listened to. Like, I'm going to check that out because if he likes it, maybe I'll like it. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so we're really trying to broaden people's horizons. So we'd like to see kind of like the first, you know, evidence um, really of that happening. And it, it already is, but like, like everything in, in product development, you know, you've got this core product, we'll call it the sun. And then you have the rays that emanate off it. And the rays are opportunities for innovation or for continued optimization or continued an enhancement in that. So like, we're always moving, there's always new stuff. There's a code push every two weeks, you know, oh, like good. that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much you can do. Uh, sort of the challenging part for you is to figure out where, what battles to pick now. And then, <laughs> yeah, constant tension, now. constant tension. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but it's good. It's a creative one. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Uh, thank you so much for coming on here. I like, who would have thought we'd have such a fantastic conversation? At least I had a great conversation. So I, I I've, I've learned so much from you. Um, it's amazing. So I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Well, it's a joy. Thank you so much. Anytime. I really enjoyed it. A lovely way uh, to spend a Thursday morning before I get back into my other work. So thank yes. you. <laughs> yes. And you know, and we do, I do want to chat with you, maybe not a whole year from now, but I can't wait to see this app evolve. I'm in there. I, I get stuck in my rut of my own podcast to listen to. So I can't wait to have new things thrown on me and I'll definitely give you all the feedback and the user experience I can oh, yes, to help with that. Anyone listening to this, okay, or watching this, um, including you, we want your feedback. We really uh, co-create with our customers. So yeah. like when we have someone says, hey, I'm having a problem with this, our developers go right into it and fix it and we get back to the person individually. I, I don't know any other app that does that. And where where do people way. go? How do they connect with you? How do they connect with the app? Okay. All the so, things. So, right. So Podopolo is just really easy. P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. -O -O. It's in both app stores. It's free. Just download it. Check it out. Right. Yeah. Um, go to the website, podopolo.com. You know, um, I'm all over the place. So uh, 
probably these days I probably use LinkedIn more than any other. So, you know, there's company page on LinkedIn, but just Melinda Whitstock um, on LinkedIn, you can find me there. Um, uh, Podopolo Network on Twitter. We don't use Twitter as much lately, but we'll probably spin that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like on the Podopolo um, Network, can I like find you and message you on here? Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can. So on Twitter, Podopolo Network. Um, on uh, Facebook, it's Podopolo Network. On Instagram, it's Podopolo. Okay. Love it. And, Love uh, it. and I'm, I'm personally more responsive on, on LinkedIn. But I, I, people can find me. I'm, I'm not that hard to find. I bet. And um, not only that, but I am like fighting my fighting with all my might to not get sucked into this app and explore. So as soon as we're done here, I know what I'm <laughs> yeah, going to so be you exploring. Can follow me. So when you when you download Podopolo, everybody, yeah, like download Podopolo. When yeah. you download Podopolo, just follow me. Um, I'm uh, my handle on Podopolo is Melinda CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me there uh, as well. Do I just do the search? Uh, yeah. So you can just, you just go in there and people. like, if you search for Melinda right, so CEO, I click on I people, I see follow. you in there, smiling face. Yeah. And there then I will follow you back. You have a new follower. Time. Fantastic. Heck Yay. yeah. This is cool. I'm excited. So <laughs> or podcasting. Thank you so much for those listening. If you learned something and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here front and back. Oh my goodness. And then, yeah. You can see, right? Like I'm like, I'm like not even kidding. I learned a ton. Um, then Gosh, share I feel this. pretty honored. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and with that, Linda, thank you again. And I can't wait to uh, see this app evolve over time. Yes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And, and wow, that's it, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for listening. And this has been another crazy episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.